Hey, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 49 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan, the Ron Guidry episode. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Friday, folks, end of the week, hope you're having a good one out there. Uh, it's been a pretty good week, uh, I would say, I'm just, I'm just, in, in, in terms of sports at least this week, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, with the Yankees, I mean, kind of, it was kind of an ugly series other than the Kluber no-hitter. I've, I feel kind of spoiled, like the most spoiled Yankee thing to say to start off this episode. They did kind of have an ugly series where they won three out of four. Um, had some injuries, some bad base running, but they won three games and one of the wins was a no-hitter. So, can, I, I, I mean, can I really complain? I honestly sound like the most spoiled Yankees fan on the face of the earth when I say that. We'll recap all four games in the series uh, in Brian's Beloved. Uh, but first, we're going to do uh, an NBA playoff preview uh, as, as we get closer and closer to the NBA playoffs. The last two games of the play-in are tonight. I'm recording this on Thursday. Uh, the last game of the play-in is tonight. It's the, or the last game of the East play-in is tonight between the Wizards and and the Pacers. We'll see who advances. Unfortunately, this episode is going to come out after this game. Uh, I'm rooting for the Wizards in that game all the way, personally. But I'll talk a little bit more about that game uh, later, and um, I, I, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, I, I I would love to see Russell Westbrook against Joel Embiid. I wanted to see him versus KD, but um, I'll settle for Russ versus Embiid. We'll see. We'll see if that ends up happening. Um, I, we'll we'll see what happens in that game tonight. Um, and the last game of the play-in uh, is the Warriors against the Grizzlies, and that's um, that's on Friday night. Uh, it's the last game of the West play-in. Uh, I watched the Lakers-Warriors game last night. Uh, great game. Uh, LeBron hit a crazy shot to win it, basically, for the Lakers. Um, that was a really fun game as well. I'm really loving the play-in concept and all that so far. Um, I, I think they should keep this. Uh, I think more sports should adapt formats like this. I know baseball has it with the wild card game and everything, but uh, I really enjoy the play-in format. I love that they had it in the bubble and that they brought it to the playoffs or to the regular season this year. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the NBA plan. Um, and uh, LeBron's a hypocrite, as we all know. Um, he said he uh, when last year when they had it in the bubble, LeBron was like, Oh, this is a great idea, you know, genius idea. This is a great idea for the NBA. And then this year, when his team had to be in the bubble, LeBron was like, "Oh, this is horseshit. Fuck this," and all that that crap from LeBron. That's uh, oh man. Um, what I, I guess you know, uh, I guess we'll 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 talk a little bit more about that uh, when we get into the NBA playoffs. This is still the intro, but I I do love the playing, and I'm a big fan of it. Uh, and it's been a fun week of sports, uh, I would say. So uh, with, that, with that being said, uh, other than that, I don't really have a whole lot to add. Um, you heard the bonus episode, the Corey of uh, the. Uh, I hope you at least listened to the bonus episode, uh, the Corey Kluber no hitter. Um, very exciting last night. Uh, first Yankee no hitter since 1999. Uh, we'll recap that and Brian's beloved as well, uh, and preview the White Sox series. And then we got the outro for you guys today. Uh, a loaded outro for you guys. Uh, a couple of interesting baseball stories. Uh, an update on Save the Crew uh, 2.0, I guess, as it's now become known. Um, I think you'll find this very interesting. Uh, that's all coming up next, folks. 
Uh, well, let's just jump into today's episode. I think you've, I've given you now the basic rundown of what's coming up. I think we've introduced the podcast long enough now. So uh, let's get into the Brian's Beloved. We're going to do the Knicks or do a playoff preview first. I'm so hyped up about the Knicks. I'm so ready to go. I, I just, just get me to Sunday already. I, I'm so excited for the Knicks' first playoff game in eight years against the Atlanta Hawks on Sunday. I've been waiting a week for this. So we're going to preview that first in Brian's Beloved. And then, like I said, we'll give you a general NBA playoff preview as well. I'm going to go through every series. I'm going to give you who I think is going to win in those series as well. Um, then we will do the Yankees se- se- uh, Yankees series uh, against Texas. Uh, we'll recap uh, their three games. Um, and uh, the, or the three games that they won in, and the loss. Uh, Cole loss, surprisingly. Uh, and then the outro. That's how the episode will go. Uh, let's get into it, folks. Uh, coming up next, Brian's Beloved. Here we go. Alright, folks, it is time for today's edition of Brian's Beloved, where we talk about my favorite teams and how they did this week, um... It was honestly tough to choose, again, who was going to go first this week between the Yankees and the Knicks. Um, At the start of the week, I was like, it's definitely going to be the Knicks. The Knicks are in the playoffs for the first time in eight years. I've been waiting all week for their series against the Hawks. I was like, for sure, it's going to be the Knicks. And then, last night, Corey Kluber throws a no-hitter. So I was like, who is going to be first now? And the Yankees, of course, went and took three out of four in Texas as well. So I was like, who's going to be first? And uh, I decided to stick with the Knicks first. They're in the playoffs. That's more important right now than the regular season for the Yankees. As great as Kluber's no-hitter was, I did a bonus episode on that last night. You can go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Uh, And, of course, we'll be talking about it again in a couple of minutes when we do the Yankees segment. But the Knicks are first, folks. Uh, I am so ready for this series against the Hawks. Um, I have been waiting um, a really long time, obviously. I've been waiting... Since Sunday for this team to play. And we've been waiting since Sunday. Uh, and, and that's going to be... I did the math. The first game of the series is at 7.30. It's uh, 7.30 on Sunday. Uh, coming up this week. Uh, that'll be approximately a 171 and a half hour break in between games for the Knicks. Now, Atlanta is going through the same thing. Uh, they've had a similar layoff since this series. So uh, I will be interested to see. I don't. They didn't. They haven't played since Sunday as well. Their last game was against the Rockets. Um, they they have not played since the last Sunday of the regular season either. So um, I will be interested to see how it goes. Um, uh, this is going to be a very exciting series. Now um, there was a level of intrigue uh, to this series that uh, I I thought was kind of um, a little surprising uh, that I saw uh, from Alan Hahn uh, on Twitter the other night. I posted this to the official upon for the review with Brian Brennan Facebook page. I wasn't sure how to feel about this news. Uh, Alan tweeted, Some reality about this Knicks versus Hawks series that will make some 90s Knicks fans shudder. I'm a 90s Knicks fan. Uh, the n- creative genius of the iconic Go New York Go song, Jesse Eitzler, is in now in the Atlanta Hawks ownership group. I was like, oh no. Oh no. Now... I also have something I was I was talking to my friends who are Wizards fans, of course Michael Edgley, Arun, Tim, 
Uh, I was talking to them, and I'm like, guys, I'm not going to listen to any Atlanta rap this week. So I was like, and Mike was like, you're really not going to listen to, like, Outkast or anything like that? Like, on the new J. Cole, you're just going to skip the 21 Savage and the the little baby parts? Like, you're really going to do that? So um, I was like, at that point, I was like, yeah, I got to do it. Um, And I was like, oh, no, now I have to add the Go New York, Go New York, Go song to my boycott. I was like, damn, folks. So you know what? We're not playing the Go New York, Go New York, Go song this week. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I can't. I can't play that song. He's, he owns the Hawks now. Um, it's too dirty. Um, but, you know, we'll play it later, you know, when they beat the Hawks. Psych! We're going to play this song super loud. Get ready, folks. Here we go. Turn up your speakers. Go New York, go New York, go forever. Definitely playing the whole song this time, folks. I still love that song. I don't care if the guy who's behind it is part of the Hawks ownership group, as awkward as that is. Um, I think that just creates an extra level of intrigue for this series, honestly. Um, but man, this is going to be a really fun series uh, against the Hawks. I think these teams are super evenly matched. Um, it's going to be tough. Uh, this is Trey Young's first playoff series. Um, he is a right, I mean, he and one of he's going to be one of the best players in this league for a very long time. Um, I know Luka Doncic is amazing, um, and you know I, I I I'm sure there are some Hawks fans who are like, why did they make that trade? But Trey Young is pretty damn good in his own right, um, so he concerns me as well. They have shooters. They got Bogdanovich. They got Kevin Herter. Um, they've got big men in Collins and Capella. Um, uh, there, this is a decent. This is a pretty good Hawks team here. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, it's their big men against, you know, Julius Randle. Um, Julius Randle, the stat I saw, uh, was that he's averaged 37 points again, the three games against the Hawks this season, which the Knicks won all three, I should mention. Although I will say to be fair in the last game against the Hawks, it was a really tight game. Uh, Trey Young got injured in the third quarter and had to leave. Uh, it went to overtime. I personally believe 
we kind of got lucky in that game. Trey Young, if he had played, might have carried the Hawks. He was Trey Young was on fire in that game, if I remember correctly, too. So um, that last game, I, I mean, that was part. I mean, the Knicks were on fire during that stretch. I mean, the Knicks were playing some great ball at that time, but still, um, that was a you know a tough game. Um, and uh, I think it would have gone a little bit differently if Trey Young had um, been been um, been out there. Um, you know, this is. Um, I mean, this is, I, I don't even, I don't know what to make. I, the Hawks just have, you know, they can shoot with the best of them. Um, they are where they are for a reason. You know, it's funny. We all said at the start of the, you know, when we were going into this last week of the season that we wanted to avoid playing Milwaukee and that we wanted to avoid playing Miami. But be careful what you wish for, folks. This Hawks team is dangerous. I'm concerned. Like, don't take this team lightly. I'm going to be interested to see what R.J. Barrett does in this series as well. R.J. Barrett is, is going to have the spotlight on him in a big way. R.J. is very scrutinized by Knicks fans, folks. I've mentioned this on past episodes. Um, I, it's, it's, it's tough sometimes to be a R.J. defender the way I am. I'm a big R.J. Barrett defender. Knicks fans on you know Facebook and Reddit and Twitter are so harsh on R.J. Barrett. It's unfair. The kid is 20 years old. He's in the playoffs for the first time in his career. Second year of his career, by the way. I know he had some rough games. That game against the Lakers was, was awful. He was very bad in that game. But he bounced back very strongly in the next game against the Spurs. Which, which to me, proved his toughness. That's why I love R.J. Barrett. That's why I believe in R.J. Barrett. That like, he had, like he can have a tough night like he did in L.A. and bounce back like he did against the Spurs. Big spot for Derrick Rose as well. Back in the playoffs, um, you know he's he's been such a huge imp- he's had such a huge impact on this team since he's made, come over in this trade. You know what impacts? What we've we've all been talking about his veteran leadership, him and Taj, boy, the veteran leadership they they bring to this team, uh, their connection already being to Tom Thibodeau, having played for him in Chicago and as well in Minnesota. Um, what they bring to this team, Derrick Rose is going to have a big spotlight on him as well because I mean he's going to be playing a big majority of the game. I'm I'm excited to see what Derrick Rose can do in this series against the Hawks. Um, I think he's going to have a big impact. I really do. Um, now one, well, one guy who I want to see have a big impact in this series, believe it or not, what believe you're going to be shocked when I say this <laughs> one guy who I think might actually play a role is Frank Nilakina. He actually got some minutes down the stretch towards the end of the season, especially in big defensive moments. As well, he drained a couple threes as well. I'm not saying that <laughs> there are some people on Nick's Facebook who are like, "Start Frank Nilakina." Just chill, just chill. I look, I don't, I don't really love Alfred Payton in the starting lineup for the Knicks, uh, but I would, I, I'm not, I'm not like Frank. Start Frank Nilakina level yet, um, but a lot of people are. But I, I'm not going to discount his role on this team. He's been playing some minutes down the stretch. I think he could actually play play a decent role in, in this series as well. Um, you know, I, I mentioned how, how much the, the Hawks can shoot with the best of them. Um, DeAndre Hunter, another player I mentioned, I did not mention when we were talking about good players on the Hawks earlier. Um, 
he's a good player as well. Um, Bogdanovich, I didn't even, you know, that game against the Hawks that uh, I mentioned with Trey Young um, going out, uh, Bogdanovich actually kind of took over a little bit for the Hawks in that game. He worries me. He's a nice player. He is uh, he he's bounced around a little bit in his career, but he is a good player. That Bogdanovich um, and Gallo. Um, I loved Gallo when we had him. Um, I you know I, I would I still you know I know the Mellow trade is a little controversial for some Knicks fans, but I still would have done it honestly. And um, I was dis- but I was disappointed to give up Gallo and uh, and Wilson Chandler as well. Um, and, um, and Maz Goff, and, um, yeah, um, but I, I still would have done the mellow trade, but Gallo's bounced around a lot in his career, um, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, he's, he deserves a big moment like this as well, um, and, um, yeah, they also traded for Lou Will, if I'm not mistaken, um, so, uh, at, he's always a big player for them off the bench. They have a lot of name guys. This Atlanta Hawks team. This is a dangerous squad, man. I'm I'm a little concerned. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about the Hawks. Uh, Nate McMillan is already talking a little spicy as well. Uh, their head coach. Uh, I have a, a quote here. Um, Allen posted this to his Facebook page. Allen Hahn saying, uh, "I've this is what Nate McMillan said. He got fined uh, twenty five grand for this." Uh, Nate McMillan, the Hawks coach, said, I've talked about that to the team a lot. Basically, I've gone as far as saying the league wants this. They need this. New York is a big market for the league, and New York has been out of the playoffs for a number of years. And this is a team that our league, they want to see. There's a huge fan base, and they, and they want to see the New York in the playoffs. Well, I mean... that. I don't know if that's I, I, maybe he's not talking spicy. That's not as spicy as I made it seem, honestly. But um, of course, the NBA wants the Knicks in the playoffs. Of course, the NBA wants the New York team in the playoffs, especially the more popular New York team, like the only New York team, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I of course, the NBA wants the team wants the Knicks in the playoffs, man. Um, so, but I, it's just funny that he said it publicly. Um, this is the Hawks coach talking like that. So, uh, there's already some, a war of words as well. Tom Thibodeau won't get into that. Ooh, by the way, folks, uh, Monty Williams, uh, was the coach, coach of the year as voted on by the coaches. Um, so this is, could this be a portent of the NBA coach of the year award? Now I've been a big coach of the year guy for Tom Thibodeau. Um, all season, I've been saying he is the coach of the year. I do watch the Knicks more than any other team, obviously. Um, so I'm a little biased, but, um, I'll, I'll give some love to Monty Williams. He's a former Nick. Monty Williams used to play for the Knicks. Um, what he's done in the desert has been very impressive. Um, but I want to say that they got Chris Paul. Okay. They got Chris Paul. That you can't discount that the impact Chris Paul has had on that team has been significant. Um, plus the development of Devin Booker, who is an incredible player as well, and DeAndre Ayton, and they have some nice bench players as well. The Knicks outshot their projections more than any team in the league this season. People thought the Knicks were going to be trash. I honestly, I'm a diehard Knicks fan, and I thought they were going to suck. 
and they won 41 games this season. And I owe a lot of that to Tom Thibodeau, who in my opinion is the coach of the year. That is the most passionate defense I can make of this guy winning coach of the year. I respect Monty Williams. I really do. Everything I've heard has been, uh, is, you know, from even the people who voted. Stephen A. Smith said he voted for Monty Williams. Can you believe that? Stephen A. Smith, the biggest Knicks guy out there, voted for Monty Williams. Isn't that crazy? Um, it's 1A and 1B, basically. It could be one of the closest Coach of the Year votes of all time, honestly. Um, I respect Monty Williams. I really do. But Tom Thibodeau is my guy. I love that guy. And... Um, Hopefully he can, um, you know, we'll see. I, I think uh, this is just a portent of things to come, and Monty Williams will probably win the award. But, um, yeah, um, I, 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 that's just, I just got to defend Tibbs. I got to defend Tom Thibodeau. Um, and um, and um, just uh, some other things about this series. I am concerned about the big men um, spot. They have John Collins. I've been a John Collins fan um, since he was at Wake Forest. Um, you know, I used to live in North Carolina. I used to live like 10 minutes away from the Wake Forest campus. So I went to a lot of their games and, um, I, 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 I remember watching him play. He was really good in college. Like he carried Wake Forest in a lot of games and he in the NBA has just turned into a really good player. And Clint Capella, they obviously got him from the Rockets last year as well, has been really good, um, since they got him, um, you can't discount that as well. I mean, our big men right now are Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson, uh, who I love. I love both of them. I've mentioned how good Noel has been. Actually, Noel has been. Um, you know, he's he's had um, he's the number two in blocks per game in the NBA. Uh, he's right behind Rudy Gobert, who a lot of people think is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. And Taj, I think he brings a lot of veteran leadership and just poise to this team. Well, they, I feel like they feed off of Taj's energies, the pride of Fort Greene. And um, I, I just love what he brings to this team. If I, I know it sounds weird, but I kind of wish I could buy a Taj Gibson jersey. Like, I, I kind of do. Um, I know that sounds weird. Now, um, I, I, Alfred Payton is useless. Um, I, I've said that already. Um, a, a Derek Rose should be playing the majority of the minutes. Um <laughs> Frank Nilakina should not be starting. I know I already said that. Um, and I expect a big series from none other than Reggie Bullock. Um, I expect a big series from him because he can shoot. He can shoot from three. Uh, and that is something the Hawks do really well. So he's going to have to keep up with this Atlanta Hawks team. Uh, I believe in Reggie Bullock as well. Uh, I feel like I've shouted out pretty much everybody on the team at this point. Um, but, um, I mean, Randall is our MVP and he torched the Hawks this year. I expect more of that from Julius. Um, I expect a big series. I hope RJ has a big series. Look, um, I posted, like I said, I posted something to Facebook that said, uh, RJ made the playoffs before Zion Williams <laughs> and John Morant. And, uh, my friend Daniel, um, uh, was like, uh, it's like, you know, why are we comparing RJ to Zion and Ja when Zion and Ja are clearly better? And look, I would have traded, look, 
I wanted Zion and Ja. Every Knicks fan, if you are absolutely lying, if you are a Knicks fan and you are saying you would not have taken Zion Williamson or Ja Morant over RJ Barrett if the Knicks were in that position. But the Knicks ended up with RJ. That is how it goes. And look, he was not great in his first year. He was not great. But in year two, he has turned, everything is up for RJ. Points per game, shooting percentage, three-point percentage, his defense is better. He has just been absolutely great. And he is a great addition to this team. Like, I will I will defend RJ until the cows come home. Um, anyway, uh, uh, that's, that's just how I feel going into this series. I don't know what we're going to do, um... I know a lot of podcasts are doing like immediate game one recaps. Well, we are doing a Monday episode, so we will. And game one, uh, let me give you the schedule for the series as well. Uh, one hot second here. Uh, so game one of the series is 7 o'clock. Like I said, 171 and a half hour wait in between games. It's on TNT or, or MSG if you live in the local um, New York market, or you have the Spectrum app like I do. Shout out to the Spectrum app. Um, and it, game two will be on Wednesday. It's May 26th. That's also at 7.30, also on TNT or MSG. Game three of the series will be on Friday. It is on May 28th, 7 o'clock tip. That game is in Atlanta. The first two games of the series are Madison Square Garden because the Knicks got the four seed. Once again, thank you to the Milwaukee Bucks for beating the Miami Heat in that game. Um, game three, like I said, May 28th, uh, 7 o'clock. It's on ESPN and MSG as well. Uh, game four is exclusively on ABC. Uh, that is May 30th. I believe that is Sunday. That is at 1 o'clock. Uh, those are the only games that, uh, the broadcast schedule has officially been announced, but if game, if there is a game five, it'll be on June 2nd. There is a game six, it'll be on June 4th. There is a game seven, it'll be on June 6th. My official prediction, folks, Nixon six. I'm, I know I'm biased. I, I know I am a huge Knicks homer and, um, this is probably the most biased podcast you've ever listened to. Um, this side of sports on the hill when they talk about the caps, honestly, <laughs> I, I had to give that shout out in there, but, um, this is honestly probably the most biased podcast you could ever listen to other than, other than that, uh, when it comes to when I talk about the Knicks. Um, but honestly, um, I, I look Knicks in six. Uh, I really like our chances. I think Julius is going to have a huge series. I think RJ is going to shine on the national stage. I think the veteran leadership of D Rose cannot be understated. And don't underestimate the fact that this is also. I know the Knicks are a young team as well. The Hawks team as well. This is their first playoff experience for a lot of them as well. This is Trey Young's first playoff experience. So can't discount that at all. Um, I think the Knicks will take this series. Um, and I think Tom Thibodeau is a better coach. Nate McMillan's a good coach, but I think Tom Thibodeau overall will outcoach him. He will find a way. The Knicks will get it done, folks. I believe. Go New York. Go New York. Go. All right. Um, I want to talk a little bit uh, now that uh, I am as hyped up as ever. Let's talk very briefly about the other series. Now, like I said in the intro, I wanted to. I was really excited. I was really hoping the Wizards would win against the Celtics on um, Tuesday, but Jason Tatum went, Jason Tatum went off. Um, I, I think it's, um, he, he's a, a really good player. Um, 
I don't think he's there's Mike has been in some I know Mike Edgley's been in some debates about Tatum lately about whether he's a, a top ten player in the league or not. I don't think he's a top ten just yet, but Tatum is very nice. I mean fifty points in a winner go home game basically is or not winner go home, but like a do or die big playoff game is really impressive. Um so I'm hoping the Wizards can beat the Pacers tonight, but we'll see how that goes. Um, the Pacers blew out the Hornets uh, as the Hornet season comes to an end. Um, in the West play-in, um, the Spurs lost to the Grizzlies. Um, and like I mentioned as well, the Lakers-Warriors game what, uh, was a really good game. I actually stayed up and watched pretty much the whole game uh, after Kluber's no-hitter. And um, back and forth, uh, Curry played great. LeBron hit an incredible shot. And um, the Lakers advanced. And um, the Warriors will now play tomorrow night against the Grizzlies. Um, I am personally rooting for the Warriors because I think the NBA is a better place if Steph Curry is in the playoffs. And plus, I think it would be fun to see him go up against the Utah Jazz uh, as well. So here are the series that are confirmed. Um, We will stay in the East to start. Uh, We'll go to the 2-7 matchup, which is the Nets against the Celtics. Now, look, by the way, great seat still available at Barclays Center. Every seat at Madison Square Garden, except for like two, have been sold out. And uh, according to Ticketmaster, by the way, ticket prices are ridiculous for Madison Square Garden. Every seat except for like two have been sold out, though. But at Barclays Center, plenty of good seats still available for Nets Celtics. Nobody cares about the Nets. Nobody gives a damn. I will say that again and again and again. And I am rooting for the Celtics in this series. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I am actually rooting. I can't believe I'm actively right now rooting for two Boston sports teams. I'm rooting for the Celtics to beat the Nets because I just hate the Nets. And I just can't stand the Washington Capitals either. So I'm rooting for the Boston Bruins as well when it comes (laughs) to that series as well. I never thought in my wildest dream I'd actually want two Boston teams to win. I feel so dirty right now. Uh, But you guys no, I'll never root for the Red Sox to win. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'd root. For, I'd, I don't know who I'd. I'd root for like. I'd root for awful people before I root for the Red Sox. I hate the Red Sox, but uh, I, I am. I do hate the Nets, but the Nets will win this series. Um, sorry, Ethan. I mean, Ethan knows it. Ethan texted me as soon as the, the Wizards game was over and was like, "Yeah, I think we're losing in five. And I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds about right, man." So uh, I think the Nets will probably win that series. Uh, in five games, uh, the 3-6 matchup uh, is the the Bucks versus the Heat. Um, this is an interesting matchup because last year they met in the playoffs uh, in the bubble, and the Heat took the Bucks down when the Bucks were the one seed uh, on the Heat's run to the finals last year, where they ultimately lost to the Lakers. Uh, I will be interested to see how this goes. I think this is a seven gamer. Uh, I think, you know, the Heat have some, you know, very dangerous players, and they are capable of making a run. I was happy we avoided them in the playoffs. I really was. I think this is going to be a seven-game series. I'm going to take the Bucks in seven. And um, that's, that's my prediction for the 3-6 matchup. Um, I'm hoping Giannis finally gets a little bit of postseason success. Uh, but we will see how that one goes. Um Sixers will play whoever wins the Pacers Wizards series. Uh, I you know I I hope it's the Wizards, but either way I think the Sixers will probably take care of business against either of those teams. Um, 
it'll be a good. I've loved. I think the Wizards would take them to six games at least, but um, I think the Sixers would still probably win. Um, so that's your East series. I know I talked for about an hour <laughs> about the Knicks Hawks series in the West. Um, look, I want to talk for a minute about the Suns Lakers series. I can't stand this Lakers team. I think they are a bunch of whiners. Like I like LeBron is has done a lot of good things. Okay, LeBron has done a lot of great things. He is a great charity man. He's you know he's making entertainment. He's remaking Space Jam. Um, he's done a lot of, of good things, uh, but he it just whines all the time, and it's so annoying and. I just don't like these guys, and um, we we were talking um, in the group chat about um, and the Robbie, uh, Ken, and Tim, and um, Arun. We were talking about the Lakers Sun series, and uh, I am legitimately surprised that a lot of people are picking the Lakers in the series. I really am. Like, you really think the Lakers are going to win this series? No, I think the Suns are going to take the Lakers out in six. I, I really don't believe in this Lakers team at all. I don't think that people are like the Lakers are going to people think the Lakers are going to the finals. Like you really think this team is going to the finals? They barely beat the Warriors last night. Like they've struggled all season. They have not shown me anything this year. I I really like if the Lakers make the finals, I will come back to this and eat my words. I will be stunned. I think the Suns are going to take them out. They've got Chris Paul leading the way. They got DeAndre Aiden, Devin Booker. They are a fun team to watch. So I think the Suns are taking the Lakers out in six. That is that I I'm not gonna guarantee it. I'm not Charles Barkley. I'm not gonna make a like a dumb guarantee like Chuck. But um, I I am I'm I think the Suns uh, will take out the Lakers in that series. I'm interested in the Portland-Denver uh, series, the 3-6 matchup. Uh, those teams are evenly matched up as well. Of course, uh, Denver has Nikola Jokic, who will probably be the MVP. Uh, Damian Lillard, uh, we all know about his playoff history. He's got two playoff series winning shots. Um, I would love to see Damian Lillard in the finals one day. I would love to see Damian Lillard in a Knicks jersey one day as well. But beggars can't be choosers. I can dream. I can dream, folks. Uh, I think this is also a seven-game series. Uh, I think both 3-6 matchups are seven-gamers. I'm really looking forward to this one as well. Uh, I will go with Denver in seven in that one. Tough to pick. I'm sorry, Mello. I love Mello, too. I I love Mello. I mean, you heard me talk about the trade and how I said I would do it again. Uh, I love Mello. Um, But... um, you know, I th- I think they will. I think Denver will advance, and this is, it's going to be a great series. The home court advantage will help as well. Uh, the four five matchup is the Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I love Luka Doncic. I hate Kristaps Porzingis, as you all know. Um, but look, I was actually talking about this to Mike. Like Mike, <laughs> Mike and I were talking about the series. Like I know you hate. He said, "I know you hate Voldemort." And he was, I knew he was talking about Porzingis, and I was like, "Look." We got two first-round picks out of this, including one that, um, and one that um, I know it. Look, their their pick this year is probably going to be somewhere in the twenties, but um, 
I'm okay with that because Emmanuel quickly was a was pick 25 this past year, and he's worked out pretty well for us. I mean, he's, I didn't even mention Emmanuel quickly in my next playoff. I'm so excited for the kid. I'm excited for him to have a big playoff. Se- I think he could have a big series as well. Um, the kid Emmanuel quickly. I'm excited for that. Um, but it, like I said, he is an example of someone in that 25, that 20 to 25 range, who turned out to be a pretty damn good player. So. Um, even if the Dallas pick ends up in that spot, uh, I think um, the Knicks will will be fine. This series, though, uh, I I don't really like the Clippers either, honestly. Uh, but I will go with the Clippers to advance. Ooh, I don't know if I feel good about. I now that I've said that out loud, I do not know if I feel good about that. Oh, that is a tough series to call. Well, um. We all know Luca can have big moments in the um, in the playoffs. He had one uh, in the bubble last year. He hit that big shot uh, when these two teams met when it was a two seven matchup. Um, but um, mm, I don't know. We we saw uh, the Clippers collapse in the playoffs last year. They are not a great playoff team. Uh, I I think every team in the playoffs has question marks. Honestly, there's no clear favorite to me. I gotta say, like, everybody's saying, like, you know, the Nets are the favorites, or the Lakers are the favorites. Every team has question marks to me. There's no perfect team in this NBA playoffs. Uh, so, official prediction on the series, I'll go Clippers in six. Clippers in six. And uh, the 1-8 series will be whoever wins the, um, the uh, I'm sorry, the Memphis-Golden uh, State series. And like I said, I hope it's... Golden State because I think the NBA would be a lot better with Steph Curry in the playoffs as well. So uh, either way, I think the Jazz would win that series probably in five or six games. Um, and that pretty much does it for the NBA playoff uh, preview. I love the NBA playoffs. I, I, I love this time where we've got NBA and NHL playoffs going on uh, all the time. I love And we've got baseball as well. Um, it's great. And uh, like I said, I'm so excited for the Knicks first playoff game in eight years um you know what's another couple days you know we've we've been waiting eight years for a next playoff game what's another couple days you know what's another couple days so um that pretty much does it for the knicks slash nba playoff preview edition of brian's beloved uh we'll go into the yankees segment now three out of four in texas including a kluber no hitter let's get into the yankees portion of brian's beloved some last bonus Knicks news, folks. Um, uh, that we have some awards finalists on our team. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, like I said, uh, I believe he is the coach of the year. Uh, he is an, a finalist for uh, coach of the year uh, with Monty Williams, the aforementioned Monty Williams, and Quinn Snyder, the coach of the Utah Jazz. Julius Randle is a finalist for most improved player um, this year with Jer- Jeremy Grant from the Detroit Pistons and uh, Michael Porter Jr. from the Denver Nuggets. And Derrick Rose is a finalist for Sixth Man of the Year for Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles, both of the Utah Jazz. So, um, look, I want Tom Thibodeau to win. I think Monty Williams, though, seems to have an inside track, but we will see. Like I said, I think this could be one of the closest races for Coach of the Year in a very long time. Julius Randle has uh, most improved player absolutely unlocked. Uh, for sure. Uh, he's without a doubt been the most improved player in the league. I mean, he's improved in all aspects of his game, and he deserves the award. Uh, so I think he will win. Unfortunately, 
I do not think Derrick Rose will win Sixth Man of the Year. Jordan Clarkson has been phenomenal this year. Uh, but Derrick Rose is the Sixth Man of the Year in my heart, for sure. So I just had to mention these award finalists, for sure. I'll actually give you all the award finalists while I have you on the line here. Um, the Rookie of the Year finalists are LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and Tyrese Halliburton. The Defensive Player of the Year finalists are Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, and Ben Simmons. And the MVP finalists are Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. So um, I think LaMelo Ball will win Rookie of the Year. I think Rudy Gobert will win Defensive Player of the Year. And I think Nikola Jokic will win MVP. Um, that's how I think it's going to go. Um, it's been a great season of NBA basketball. I can't wait for the playoffs, folks. I'm watching the play-in game right now as we speak, uh, the Wizards uh, against the Pacers. Um, I can't wait for the playoffs to start, um, and I'm proud of all these Knicks who are award finalists. Um, it, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, when uh, Derrick Rose was traded, Dwayne Casey, his coach of the Pistons, was like, we have a better chance of making the playoffs here than you have going to New York. Well, uh, Detroit finished way out of the playoffs. They only won like 20, 20 games or something, and uh, the Knicks are the four seed. So uh, we'll see how that worked out. Um, yeah. So uh, that's just to give a little update there. Uh, let's move into the Yankees segment of Bryant's Beloved. All right, folks. Uh, interesting week for the Yankees, uh, I would say. Uh, they won three out of four in Texas, but uh, there's some injuries as, as well. Um, uh, you know, they, they ran themselves out of a lot of innings. Um some ugly base running, um, a lot of guys playing out of position, you know, Miguel Andujar started as an infielder, now he's playing left field, Tyler Wade is playing right field as well, um, basically down to your last possible options in the outfield, um, but still, they won three out of four in Texas, um, you know, pretty good series overall, they should beat Texas, you know, if there's one thing, if there's two things I can take away from this series against Texas, one, the pandemic basically never happened in Texas. I a lot of people not wearing masks. Uh, I did not actually. You know what? I honestly did not see anybody wearing a mask in that Texas uh, during the whole series. It's like the pandemic never existed. Now I know the CDC says it's okay for you to not wear your mask outside, but still, usually you know carry one around at least. I didn't see. I didn't see these people having one in their hand or anywhere like remotely near them. It's like the pandemic never even happened. There's crowds of like thirty thousand people for these games as well. Biggest crowds by far I've seen this season in Texas. Um, yeah, um, it's just crazy. It's like the I or now I've forgotten what the the other thing I was gonna say that I was gonna take away from this series. Um, but, uh, man, it's just like the pandemic never happened in Texas. Um, uh, but it's just crazy. Um, this series, we'll start with the first game, um, which was cold day. Um, honestly, a little bit of a surprise, you know, uh, you know, the Yankees won three out of four, but they lost the game that you would expect them to win. Like when Cole pitches, you expect to win, but, um, he honestly did not have his best, best game, um, in this one. Um, uh, Cole, um, uh, I'll give you the, uh, I'll, we'll still do the scoring summary first, and then I'll give you Cole's, uh, line score for this game. Uh, but Gio Urshela, uh, drove in a run, uh, with an RBI single, uh, to left field. Um, that made it one nothing in the first inning. Uh, but then, um, kind of like all hell broke loose for Cole. Um, 
he actually broke the record that Corbin Burns had just set the week prior uh, for most strikeouts without a walk. I believe it was uh, 58 strikeouts without a walk. Um, and uh, his, his streak did end in this game. But I, he did set that record early in this game. So um, I was really impressive from Cole. But man, bottom of the second inning was not good uh, in this one. Um, Adolis Garcia... Um, hit a home run. Uh, Cole does not give up a lot of home runs. Um, and so it's, it's rare. It's rare. But uh, he hit one, an opposite field shot to right field that tied the game. Um, and then um, they scored another run um, on Isaiah Kiner Falefa, an RBI double. Uh, I love that name. That's, that's a fun name. Isaiah Kiner Falefa uh, hit an RBI double uh, to make it 2 1 Texas. Uh, that one, uh, that second runoff Cole, and then, uh, they got another one. Jose Trevino, uh, got an RBI single off Cole that made it three, one, um, Cole clearly did not have his best stuff. Uh, I was surprised, man. Texas, this lineup is trash. I mean, there's really nobody good. Like Joey Gallo can hit a couple balls out and Willie Calhoun seems like a nice player as well, but this Texas lineup is, they are not very good. Um, Speaking of Willie Calhoun, uh, he had a home run off Cole. Uh, like I said, he's pretty good. Uh, he had a home run off Cole. Uh, it's dead center field to make it 4-1. Uh, and then um, there, then um, Higgy kind of had a rough game. Uh, this was, you know, Higgy did end up having a pretty good week overall because he, you know, he kind of caught a, a thing called a no-hitter a little bit later this week. But um, in this game, Higgy was not very good. Um he uh, he he made a throwing error uh, on a steal attempt. I don't know why he even threw. Honestly, that was a really dumb decision. The throw went into center field. Run scored on that play to make it five one. Uh, yeah, that that was just a dumb dumb decision by Higgy. Honestly, not much hitting in this game uh, other than the Geo RBI single. Luke Voigt hit his first home run of the year. Uh, second Decker uh, that made it five two. But other than that. Uh, not much for the Yankees. That was the final score. They lost that game 5-2. to two. Uh, Cole's line on the night, five innings pitched, seven hits allowed, five runs, uh, all of them earned. Two walks, seven strikeouts, though, um, and two home runs, which is very unusual for Cole, honestly. Um, and um, that was still a little surprising um, that Cole would pitch that bad. And, you know, another weird thing is that they actually brought him out for the start of the sixth inning, and he gave up a hit, and I was like, Boone, why are you, look, I like Boone, um, a lot, he seems like a nice guy, but, um, how, I, sometimes he makes some cool decisions that make just, you scratch your head, like, why, why would you even, like, he, he, they showed him in the dugout, he was, like, talking to Cole, like, it made him look like he was done, and Cole went back out there, like, what's the point of putting Cole back out there for the sixth? Anyway, Albert Abreu came in after that and uh, the, didn't give up any runs from there. Uh, but the Yankees uh, couldn't do anything against a guy named Jordan Lyles. Like, who the hell is Jordan Lyles? He had an ERA over six going into this game. Lowered it to his ERA is now an immaculate 5.93 after this dominant effort against the Yankees in which he gave up only one run, struck out six, uh, six hits allowed. And um, the rest of the, um, the Rangers bullpen did pretty well. King, Spores, and Ian Kennedy, former Yankee, uh, great prospect. Like, I remember 
the Phil Hughes, Ian Kennedy, Jabba Chamberlain days uh, when they were all coming up together at the same time. Now he's the closer for the Texas Rangers. He got the save in this one. All right, let's stop talking about the losses. Let's get to the wins. Um, let's get to the, let's get to the next game. A seven four victory for the Yankees in this one. Uh, a game in which they did not hit any home runs, which I like a lot. Uh, I really do. Um, now, Jamison Tyone was the starter in this game, and um, he um, did not have a great start. Um, he gave up the first three runs of the game to Texas, and uh, I was texting with my boy, Charlie Ferrillo. Charlie, if you're listening, please bring back your podcast. We all miss it. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> I was texting with Charlie. I don't think Tyone's the answer. He gave up an RBS single to Nick Solak. Solak was a former Yankee farmhand. Um, he was traded for Brandon Drury, and Brandon Drury was trash. He was terrible when he was on the Yankees. And um, he was traded for another guy who was not very good with the Yankees, Jay Happ. So all in all, kind of wish Nick Solak was on the Yankees. He's actually one of the good players on this Texas Rangers uh, squad. Had an RBI single to make it one nothing in the bottom of the third. Uh, and then Adelis Garcia hit an RBI single to make it 3-0. He scored two runs on that one. Um, and then, um, you know, it wasn't looking good. I mean, a lot of Yankee Twitter was pissed. Obviously, you lose the first game to a team that sucks. This Rangers team is not very good, folks. You lose that first game to them. And now you have this performance to start. Uh, it's not looking good. But uh, they came back. Like I said, no home runs, but they did come back. Uh, Geo hit an RBI double. Geo, I love Geo, guys. Um, yeah, I look, I I like Andujar too, but Geo stole his job in 2019, and he is not giving it back. Uh, he sh- as as he shouldn't. Um, he had an RBI single to make it three one. Uh, and then Gary Sanchez, who has been playing better, folks. I look. My, I know I've mentioned this group chat. I'm in with my dad, Dominic, and Eric, and I've called them in the past the Gary Sanchez hater brigade. And look, the criticism of Gary, sometimes I feel it can be a little much from fans. I know he struggles a lot. He does. But um, I feel the criticism can be a little much at times. And he got an RB, he got a double to make it 3-2 in this one. Um, and, um, that was off Fulton Nevitz. And then Andujar, like I said, I'm a fan of Andujar. I'm glad he's getting some at-bats. I want to see Andujar get playing time. I really do. I'm excited to see Miguel Andujar get some playing time in, in, in these, these last couple of games. Uh, got an RBI single to make it 3-3. Um, and then, who else, baby? The Machine, DJ LeMayhew, with a two-run double to make it six, I'm sorry, five to three. Uh, Andujar and Ford scored on that one, um, and um, you know it was looking good. Um, at, uh, that's a pretty big inning, a five-run inning. Um, a lot of it with two outs too. Uh, I was very impressed with the Yankees hitting brigade in that one. Solak, like I said, really good player. Uh, hit a home run to make it five-four, uh, but um, DJ LeMahieu hit a sack fly in the top of the sixth inning to make it six-four. Uh, sack fly is underrated, as we all say uh, on Yankee Twitter. Shout out to Joe's McFly, and um, and, uh, and they got a, a run in the uh, bottom of the ninth as well on an RBI ground out from Gio Urshela. Um, Tyone, like I said, not his best start. Four runs allowed, only four and a third inning pitch. Wandy Peralta got the win. Now look, Wandy Peralta's been good since we got him. Um, 
I I miss Talkman. I was a big Mike Sockman fan. Like every everybody else likes Mike Talkman, but um, Baralta's been good since we got him. I just feel like we could use a player like Mike Talkman now, especially with Aaron Hicks being out. Like Talkman would add a little bit of balance to the lineup. That's heavily right-handed. He's a left-handed bat. But anyway, uh, Peralta got the the win in this one, his third win of the year. Um, he uh, Loizaga pitched an inning in two thirds, uh, no hits allowed. Uh, Chad Green pitched an inning of work, and the Cuban Missile struck out three. He allowed a hit, but he struck out all three batters he faced. We got a Chapman stare down in this one, folks. Ball game over. Yankees win seven to four, and so that's leads us into Wednesday night's game, um, which I already did a bonus episode on. So you already know how I feel about this game, folks. Um, it was a magical night, honestly. It was awesome. Um, you know, David Cohn's no-hitter in 1999, I, I'm too young, honestly. Like, that, that's so, so long ago. Um, that was that, This is one of the first Yankee no-hitters I can remember, honestly. Um I do remember, I said this on Facebook, uh, but I do remember Mucina um, uh, losing that no-hitter to Carl Everett at Fenway. I remember that very much. Um, so this is the first like Yankee no-hitter that I like remember clearly. I mean, I know this is the year of the no-hitter, and we're actually going to be talking about another no-hitter uh, in the outro coming up, but... Um, I'm still stoked, man. That was awesome. That was fucking awesome. Corey Kluber threw a no-hitter. It was awesome. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I watched this game from start to finish. No-hitters are still exciting in my book. He was excellent in this game. He only walked one batter. That was it. That is all that separated Corey Kluber from a perfect game. Was that one walk. He was outstanding. Best night of his career, for sure. Without a doubt. And you know what's crazy? I know I talked about this in the bonus episode, but it was on his bobblehead night. The Rangers gave out a bobblehead night for Corey Kluber, despite the fact that he's not on the team anymore. Against him when he's pitching, too. I've never, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um, Rangers seem like a weird organization. Um, but, man... Uh, what a night. Um, the only two runs scored in the sixth inning, uh, Tyler Wade, who had to come in because Ryan Lamar got hurt another injury. You know, what do you expect? Clint Frazier also dealing with an injury, by the way. He's dealing with what, uh, Aaron Boone described as, quote, neck things. So, um, you know, he's out of the lineup already. Ryan Lamar gets hurt. And uh, so Tyler Wade has to come in and play right field. Tyler Wade ends up getting the big hit in this game. I, who saw that coming? He gets the RBI triple to make it one nothing Obamas. And then um, DJ gets a sacrifice fly to make it 2 nothing. And like I said, that was all Corey Kluber needed because Corey Kluber didn't give up any hits, baby. It was a no-hitter for the Klubots. Um, dominant effort. He went the distance, obviously. Only one walk, nine strikeouts. There were a lot of question marks going into the season about Kluber, I would say. Um, and he did struggle a little bit early on. You know, he, he didn't have his best start to the season. Um, but, you know, he has bounced back in a big way. His last couple of outings have been phenomenal. And obviously this is the cherry on top. Um, 
just just great. Um, congratulations to Corey Kluber. Uh, what an emotional night for for him. Um, and I said this on the bonus episode already, but I am so so happy for Kyle Higashioka too. Uh, to catch this moment, I really love that picture of him and Kluber standing on the mound. Um, that was awesome. Um, that was really cool to see. Um, you, you know, they, they can tell. You can tell they really love Higgy. Honestly, they, like they really were happy for him to have that moment. Um, yeah, and they gave him like a beer bath. That was really cool. Um, you know, yeah, the Yankee Twitter is like, "Whoa, the Yankees are having fun!" Like, yeah, they're having fun. Corey Kluber just threw a no hitter. I mean, what a night! I watched the whole post game show. I know I recorded a bonus episode as well, but I. I watched the whole post game show. That's the night you you won't forget where you were. I'll never forget where I were, where I was. I'm watching this no hitter uh, for Corey Kluber. Um, incredible, incredible outing. Um, now I know the no hitters are like I said, they're happening all over the place now. They're happening left, right, and center. But um, like I say, it's the first Yankee no hitter since 1999. Um, David Cohn's perfect game. Um, it's, it's been a long time, um, but it's exciting. It's exciting. You know, I read some people, (laughs) I'm not like tearing up or anything when I'm talking about it, but I saw some people on Twitter were like, this is the first Yankee no hitter in my life. I'm crying right now. I'm like, okay, like chill. Okay. Like I'm not that emotional about it. I wasn't like crying about it. But, like, it's just funny to see people, these youngins, man. It, this is, like, a cool moment for the kids, man. A lot of these people haven't seen a no-hitter before. A lot of these, uh, I, was talking to, I was talking to people about this. Like, a lot of people, like, you know, they don't even remember the old stadium at this point. There's, like, a new generation of Yankee fans now. So this is a big moment for them. A first no-hitter in the 21st century for the Bronx Bombers. If you want to hear more on it. I mean, I just think I gave you a pretty good summary on it. But if you want to hear even more on it, go back and listen to the bonus episode I recorded right after it. Because I was fired up. I still am. Shout out to the Clubot. Corey Kluber, baby. No hitter. All right. Let's move into the next game. Um, it's hard to move into the next game because that was just so awesome. But the Yankees actually won the next game 2-0 as well. Um, they had some shitty base running in this game. I will say that for sure. Um, they ran themselves out of multiple innings. Mike Ford got picked off um, <laughs> going, going uh, trying to round the third base, um, and they, they tagged him out. It was a double play. Uh, oh, by the way, I didn't even mention all the double plays the Yankees do, hit into in this series. Uh, they hit into two in this game, Sanchez and Mike Ford. Let me go back for a second. I want to tell you how many double plays the Yankees hit in this series. So they had two in this game. Uh, they had... Four in the next game. That's six double plays in two games. Back another game, the first game. Let's see how many they had. That's seven double plays. Judge hit into one in that game. And then in the first game, the game Cole pitched, they hit into two double plays. Yeah, they hit into actually, yeah, two. So that's nine double plays in four games. Are, like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? You kidding me? I I hope my math was right on there. I might I might sound like a dumbass now, but um, a lot of double plays. Um, Mike Ford got picked off trying to round third. Uh, just terrible base running. Uh, 
it was scheduled days off for Urshela and um, Judge. They were doing the load management thing again, uh, which meant Tyler Wade was starting in right field again. Uh, oh, and just one last thing on the Kluber no-hitter. It, it doesn't happen without Tyler Wade. Like I mentioned, the triple, and um, he made some great plays in the outfield as well. He ran down a lot of balls. And honestly, I don't know if Ryan Lamar would have gotten to, or uh, I mean, Judge is kind of a fragile guy. I don't know if he would have gotten to that as, he, as well. Tyler Wade went all out. So shout-out to Tyler Wade. I, I mentioned this in the bonus episode. I was talking to Tim and Mike last week about how I think Tyler Wade's a little bit useless, and he's only on the team because he's friends with Aaron Judge. But uh, he's he's hitting over 300. He's had some really nice plays. Shout out to Tyler Wade, guys. Uh, and he got the start right field in this game. It was a scheduled day off for Judge, but uh, the Yankees needed some runs in this game. Um they were getting shut down by Dane Dunning. I love that name. Dane Dunning. It just rolls off the tongue. Uh, he went six strong, striking out six. Uh, didn't give up a run. Uh, but then uh, the Ra- Yankees got to the Rangers' bullpen, and they did it thanks to some big pinch hits. Uh, Gio Urshela was the first one to come up. Uh, he got a, a pinch hit RBI single to right field to make it one nothing Yankees in that one. And then Aaron Judge got a second pinch hit. Uh, RBI single uh, to second, but then another base running mistake. Uh, Gio Urshela was picked off uh, trying to go back to second. Uh, so the Yankees did score a run, but they did run themselves out of an inning. Uh, and then um, they had one more. Um, they had one more base running mistake. Uh, Gio Urshela uh, was thrown out trying to go to third, and. Um, that was in the top of the ninth inning. Uh, I still honestly can't believe they won three out of four. Like Texas sucks, honestly. Texas is so bad. Um, they went, uh, I think it was how many innings? Uh, they went at least 18 innings without scoring a run. Um, let's see, 18. Wow, they went 22 innings without scoring a run in the series. That is, oof, man, this team is not good. I'm sorry to Patrick Montgomery, my very good friend, who is moving to D.C. soon, which I'm very excited about. Um, but um, he um, he is a big Texas Rangers fan, and uh, he hates their new ballpark, and uh, <laughs> he loves the ballpark in Arlington. I will never call it by any of its other corporate names. It's the ballpark in Arlington. Uh, but their new ballpark does seem nice, honestly. Uh, one thing that's cool about it is, they have uh, all the dimensions are um, associated with Rangers. So, like, it's 329 feet down the left field line, 29 for Adrian Beltre. It's, like, 334 to right field. That's 34 for Nolan Ryan. And it's 42 feet behind home plate. That's for Jackie Robinson. I think that is very cool, but I do miss the ballpark in Arlington very much. I will say that for sure. Let's go into the box score for the Yankees in this game. Uh, Domingo Herman was phenomenal. Uh, let's give some love to Domingo Herman, the second best Yankees pitching performance in this series. Uh, he went seven shutout innings, five strikeouts, only six hits allowed. Great work for Domingo. His ERA is now 3.05. Since he got sent down to the minor leagues, he has come back very strong. A shot, I look. I don't approve of what he did. I have said that a thousand times. I look. I hate what he did too. It is a bad look that he's on this team, but he is. He he does his job. Okay. He was very good in this game. He's now got a four and two record. He. I'm glad he got the win. He deserved the win. He pitched great in this game. Um, 
And then uh, Chad Green pitched a 1-2-3 8th inning and a rolled this Chapman a 1-2-3 ninth inning with two strikeouts. Another Chapman stare down. Ball game over. Yankees win. 2-2. Nothing. Woo! So, all right, Yankees take three out of four in Texas. They finish the road trip seven and three. Uh, as that's that's exactly you know that's you know Joe Girardi used to say it's not what you want. That is exactly what you want, folks. I am absolutely loving that they won this series seven seven out of th- or this road trip seven out of three. Uh, great great trip for our boys. Uh, and uh, now they come back to the stadium. For a big series uh, against a very good team, um, this is a, they're playing the Chicago White Sox this weekend. I am very excited for the series. Uh, I am I'm making time for this whole series. I'm not going to miss a second of this one, folks. Um, I'm I'm really excited. I'm glad the Knicks are playing at seven, honestly, on Sunday because I want to watch this whole series from start to finish. Now, this was going to be an outro story um, because it doesn't really involve the Yankees. But since the Yankees are playing the White Sox this week, uh, I might as well just get into it now, honestly. So just give me one second to pull up my uh, outro story here. Um, So on Monday night, the Minnesota Twins were playing the White Sox. And your mean Mercedes came up. The the Twins were losing. The White Sox were winning 15-4. The Twins put in a position player. I can't remember his name, but he's a big guy. Position player. Uh, comes in, and Yermin Mercedes, who's been this great rookie for the Chicago White Sox, uh, he's been one of their best players for sure, um, and arguably a Rookie of the Year candidate, comes up. He, he count goes to 3-0. and Tony La Russa, the manager of the White Sox, not a huge fan of him, which I'll, but I will talk about him more in a second, gives him a take sign, says don't swing on 3-0. and the, the, quote, pitcher, the position player, um, Throws a 46 mile per hour, basically Ephus pitch, like uh, like a little lob pitch. Well, so what's Mercedes supposed to do, right? I mean, that's like the juiciest shit you've ever seen in your life. And he crushes it, obviously, a 3-0 count, dead center field for a three-run home run uh, when he was given the take sign. So um, no, the Twins obviously were not thrilled about it. Um, the Twins broadcasters even said at the time, like, we don't like that at all. There's obviously a lot of unwritten rules in baseball. Last year, there was a whole controversy about this with Fernando Tatis as well. So um, there's a history here. So um, Tony Larusa, who I'm not a look, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of him. I'll tell you why I'm not a huge fan of him. Um, look, this White Sox team—they're young, they're exciting, they have the best record in the AL. I, I will say that, like that, I, I, but I think that's honestly in spite of Tony Larusa. He's 76 years old. What do you expect him to do, honestly? And what do you like? He's you. I know he's a Hall of Fame manager. He's got three World Series rings as a manager. But what do you expect? What I do not think he was the right fit. There was nothing wrong with their previous manager, Rick Renteria. There was nothing wrong with him. He he was bilingual. He was he was a great guy. Like everybody liked Rick Renteria, but they fired him and brought in Tony Larusa because he's buddies with the owner. I thought it was a dumb decision. I but whatever, it's worked out. So I mean, they they have the best record in the AL. So I mean, they have a lot of talented players. But I feel like they're winning in spite of Larusa. Honestly, he already is like several times this year. There's been things where like, oh, you know, he didn't know the rules and, and so on and so forth. But um, anyway, let's get to the controversy here. Um, I have an article here from ESPN. 
Tony La Russa doesn't think there's a rift in the Chicago White Sox clubhouse, but some players have indicated publicly that they disagree with their Hall of Fame manager's comments about rookie slugger Yermin Mercedes. La Russa called Mercedes, quote, clueless for homering on a 47-mile-per-hour pitch on a 3-0 count from Minnesota Twins infielder, here's his name, Williams Astudillo, in the ninth ninth inning of a 16-4 blowout win on Monday. The manager on Wednesday emphasized that it was a teachable moment, especially considering Mercedes missed the take sign. What did I say publicly, LaRussa asked reporters in a Zoom conference on Wednesday. I said a young player made a mistake, which, by the way, he did, and we need to acknowledge it. Part of how you get better as a team is is if something goes wrong, you address it. Some White Sox players did not agree with their manager, noting the Twins were pitching a position player at the time. The way I see it, there are no the way I see it for position players on the mound. There are no rules. Veteran pitcher Lance Lynn, former Yankee, said Tuesday night, "Let's get the damn game over with. And if you have a problem with whatever happens, then put a pitcher out there. Can't get mad when there's a position player on the field and a guy takes a swing." Added Lucas Giolito following Wednesday's 2-1 win over the Twins. No negativity. We all support your mean. We all love home runs here. That's it. We're going to move on. The incident also resonated outside Los An- the White Sox clubhouse with Los Angeles ba- Dodgers pitcher, noted nozzle, Trevor Bauer, and San Francisco Giants starter Alex Wood taking similar viewpoints on Twitter. Dear hitters, if you hit a 3-0 homer off me, I will not consider it a crime, Bauer said in his post. Can't believe we're still talking about 3-0 swings. If you don't like it, managers or pitchers, just be better. And I'll um, I'll just go to the next La Russa quote. Uh, La Russa said Wednesday that everyone has a right to their opinion, but he disagreed with Lynn, at least on the 3-0 count. Oh, I I do this quote here. Lance has a locker. I have an office, La Russa said. I would be willing to bet that there wasn't anyone in that clubhouse that was upset that I mentioned that it's not the way we compete. If someone felt that way, then that's my job to correct it. You don't swing 3-0 when you're up by a big lead. LaRusso said that when he walked around the clubhouse, no one was giving him, quote, the Heisman. The manager was adamant that he was simply trying to teach good sportsmanship to a rookie. So, yeah, um... Honestly, I, I, there's a lot more to this. CC had some really spicy quotes about it too. By the way, I just want to read you CC's quotes. Uh, he said that's see when CC was asked about what Tony Larusa said. He, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna censor it. He said that's fucking stupid. It's stupid. Period. I'm sorry. That shit is terrible. He shouldn't be fucking managing that team. And if you're going to step up and have your players back, then what's the point of being the fucking manager of the White Sox? Shit is stupid as fuck. Sorry. Uh, I loved. I listened to R2C2 today, and I loved hearing that from CC Sabathia. Honestly, look, I, I, I respect the. You know, I understand. Look, Mercedes missed the take sign, and um, that's that's not good, honestly. But when somebody's throwing you a 46 mile per hour pitch, what are you supposed to do, honestly? What are you supposed to do in that situation? Like, are you supposed to just like let it go and like take it? It's right down the, the pipe, forty-six miles per hour. I, like I, I, I hate this unwritten rules bullshit. Just let the games play out. Ah, Tony Larusa, I, like, I do not. Like, why did he come back? Anyway, this series is going to be good. The White Sox are a good team. They've got Tim Anderson, Mercedes, Jose Abreu, the reigning AL MVP. They're a good team. 
this is going to be a fun series. I obviously think the Yankees are a better team than the White Sox because I think the Yankees are better than every team in the AL. So, yeah, I think the Yankees will handle their business in this series. But um, that's what's going into the series. The White Sox have been in the news. I'm, I'm sorry to bring the outro into Brian's beloved so early, but um, I had to give you that story because I know it relates to the Yankees series as well. Tony La Russa is not good for baseball right now. He should not be managing the White Sox. I think it's a dumb decision for him to be the manager too. He's, he's literally the old man yelling at the cloud. That's what Tony La Russa is. He was not, he's not a good fit for this White Sox team. He's not. I'm sorry. He's not. So anyway, um, the starters for this series. On Friday, we've got Jordan Montgomery against another guy who's thrown a no-hitter this year. Carlos Rodon, the NC State product. Uh, that game's at 7 o'clock at the stadium. Um... On Saturday, 1 o'clock first pitch. It's cold day, folks. Coming off his worst start of the season against the Texas Rangers. Uh, hoping he does better. He's going up against Cease for the White Sox. Uh, Cease is 2-0 and with a 2.41 earned run average. Like I said, 1 o'clock first pitch at the stadium. And then on Sunday, 1 o'clock again, Jamison Tyone. He needs to be better. He's 1-3 with a 5.73 ERA. He's going up against Dallas Keuchel, who was a big free agent pickup for the Chicago White Sox team. Um, he is 3-1 with a 4.44 earned run average. He's a former Cy Young Award winner, and I remember when he shut the Yankees down in the wild card game in 2015. So, uh, yeah, I got battle scars. Well, I also remember beating him up pretty badly when he was on a cheating squad known as the Houston Astros in 2017 when he came to the stadium in that series. So uh, I've got good and bad memories of Dallas Keuchel. So uh, that's the series going into this weekend. After that, they play three more home games. Monday is an off day, but then they play three more home games. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday against the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock across the board in that one. And then they hit the road. What This is a weird schedule, folks. So the Yankees, they just had a 10-game road trip. Now they're coming back for six games against the White Sox, Blue Jays, and Blue Jays. Then they go to Detroit for three games. They just go to Detroit for the weekend. And then they come right back and play Tampa Bay four times. And then the Red Sox, first series of the year against the Red Sox for three games, uh, first week of June. Uh, weird scheduling. Um, it's it's weird. It's weird to send them to Detroit in the middle of the schedule like that. But um, we'll preview all that as we get a little bit closer to that. But uh, hopefully they take two out of three against the White Sox this uh, weekend. Uh, I know we've gone a little bit long here on Brian's beloved, but we do have some great outro stories. We already talked about one, the Tony Larusa situation as well. Um, Tony Larusa is just a get off my lawn uh, old man, basically, and. Um, Look, his team has the best record in baseball, but he is crotchety old man and um, crotchety old drunk, too. We should mention he got a DUI this offseason. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I don't love Tony LaRusso in baseball, but um, we'll see him this weekend at the stadium. We'll see how that goes. That is the Yankees portion of Brian's Beloved, and that just about does it for today's edition of Brian's Beloved. Folks, we've got some great outro stories for you coming up next. Let's get into today. Outro. All right, folks, it is time for today's outro. You know what the outro is like. We go through all the headlines in the sports world that we may have missed over the last couple of days. Honestly, 
the first story could have been a Brian's beloved um, story as well. Uh, it's kind of funny we kind of flip flopped of what could have been a Brian's beloved story uh, for an outro story with the Tony Larusa thing. But I think this is interesting. I have some thoughts on this, honestly. Um, you might not like. I'm excited for this, obviously, but I, you know, there, there's some interesting aspects to this. Um, so here's the article: ESPN and Hall of Fame shortstop Derek Jeter. Um, I, I'm re- I have my phone in my hand. I can't really clap. Uh, ESPN and Hall of Fame shortstop Derek Jeter announced a documentary that will detail Yankees legend's career, set for a 2022 release. The multi-part series will be titled The Captain and follow Jeter's journey from first-round pick to Yankees great. Director Randy Wilkins has signed on to helm the film. The documentary series that will use Jeter's journey as the vessel to tell a larger cultural story that explores race, family, community, rivalries, and more. The heartbeat of the project is candid access to the man who helped restore shine to a team, a city, and a culture, the ESPN's press release said. Spike Lee, Mike Tolan, Mandalay Sports Media, Excel Media, Connor Shell will serve as executive producers for the project. The Players' Tribune and Major League Baseball will also be involved in its development. Jeter played for the Yankees from 1995 to 2014, winning five World Series titles and earning 14 All-Star appearances. He was renowned as the face of the Yankees franchise while also drawing massive amounts of attention off the field, particularly with his dating life. Um, Look, I'm excited, obviously, for this. Now I can do it. Derek Jeter. Now my hands are free. Uh, Look. I, I, you know, Derek Jeter is basically my hero. Like I, 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 he's like, I grew up watching Derek Jeter, idolizing Derek Jeter, worshiping Derek Jeter, obviously. Um, he's one of my favorite baseball players of all time. Uh, in my opinion, he is the greatest shortstop of all time. I know that's going to make a lot of people, a lot of the baseball purists are going to be like, no, he's not. He's the worst defensive shortstop of all time. Look, Derek Jeter is one of the great clutch players, one of the great clutch athletes, one of the great clutch performers we've ever seen in all the sports. He just had that glow about him. Like, and everything about him was just phenomenal. Now, I will say this. I was really excited when I found out the news, obviously, because Derek Jeter is amazing. Like, yeah, I love him. But, um... I, and there's I have something some things to consider here. One, Derek Jeter has never been the most like public person, honestly. Like we all remember in his career how like private he was with his dating life. We always would be wondering who he was dating. Like we'd never really know. It'd always be like the big gossip news. Who's Derek Jeter dating? Like who's who's Derek Jeter being being seen with? Um so is he going to open up about that now? Like, like all of a sudden, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, like, well, Mariah Carey, I gave her a gift basket. <laughs> yeah, jeets. Um, but, yeah, um, <laughs> um, is he going to really open up about that now? Like, at, at this point, like, I, I just don't, I don't see why somebody who's been so private is going to be all of a sudden so public. And, look, Michael Jordan is... Uh, like a very layered person, and there's a lot to Michael Jordan. Uh, he's very deep. I don't think there's that much to Derek Jeter. So I'm interested to see how they can get six parts out of it. Like, is each part going to be an hour long? Is each part going to be 30 minutes long? 
Like, I don't really know. Now, Spike Lee's obviously a huge Yankees fan, so I'm glad he's involved. He's, he's, um, he's, um, he's, he's, his impact, and he's obviously been friends with Jeter for a while. Um, but I, I think this will, you know, I'm excited for it, but I, I do think we have to consider here that Derek Jeter is a notoriously private person, and, um, it's just going to be interesting to see him if he's going to open up here. And what's this going to be like? Now, I mentioned the race aspect. That is interesting. Derek Jeter is biracial as well. So um, that, that might be an angle they they play as well. And, um, of course, his background as well. He didn't grow up very rich as well. He grew up kind of middle class in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And um, it's, it's an interesting, you know, I think it could be an interesting story. I'm just interested to see how they're going to get six parts out of it. But... Of course, I'm going to watch every second of it. I'm going to watch every damn second of this thing. I'm going to inject it into my veins. Derek Jeter's my hero. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this, and um, we'll see how it goes. Um, now, I mentioned uh, we obviously talked a little bit about Corey. A little bit. We, we did a whole bonus episode, and then we talked about it for like 10 more minutes on today's episode. Corey Kluber threw a no-hitter last night. Spencer Turnbull threw a no-hitter the night before. Um, to, that was the fifth no-hitter of the season in Major League Baseball. Um, Kluber was the sixth. Um, here's the article from ESPN. Spencer Turnbull walked out of the bullpen Tuesday night feeling terrible, hoping a shaky pregame warm-up would dis- dissipate once he stepped on the mound. A few hours later, Turnbull was being slammed in the face with a shaving cream pie and doused in water, baby, uh, baby powder, and beer. As Detroit by his Detroit Tigers teammates on the grass at T-Mobile Park. Safeco, still call it Safeco. Um, there was a lot. There's plenty to celebrate after Turnbull joined the parade of no hitters in 2021. It is by far the best night of my life. Most exciting, and it's definitely kind of like one of those landmark stamps on my career up to this point. I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. But this just reminds I like I, I that, that he said it was the best night of his life. But um, that just reminded me of something Hubs posted. Uh, you guys know Hubs, the Yankee guy for Barstool. Uh, he posted a picture of Turnbull. It was like it, it was an ESPN graphic. It said led is like Spencer Turnbull led the league in losses in 2019. And like um, yeah. Hubs posted like Spencer Turnbull best night of my life ESPN this guy sucked in 2019 so I felt really bad for Spencer Turnbull uh, when I saw that Um, but um, the 28 year old right hander tossed the 5th no hitter of the major league season baffling the Seattle Mariners in Detroit's 5-0 win once best known for leading baseball in losses in 2019 when he had a 3-17 record Turnbull twirled a gem that overmatched the Mariners and continued to highlight the dominance of pitchers through the first quarter of the season. The five no-hitters through May, May 18th matched the 1917 season for the most in baseball history to that date. Two of the five were thrown against Seattle at T-Mobile Park, and the Mariners are the first team since the Los Angeles Dodgers in 2015 to get no-hit twice in a month. They're ha- they, like, we we got to talk about how much the Mariners suck. They're batting under 200 as a team. They suck, but hopefully uh, Jared Kalenic, uh, sorry Pat Stein, sorry to bring up his name to remind you that you traded Jared Kalenic for Robinson Cano and uh, Edwin Diaz. I'm sure you want that one back, but uh, Kalenic um, is is like a, a great prospect who's going to basically be the Mariners' savior, so I'm rooting for him to do well, but they suck right now. They've been no-hit twice already this season. 
Um, they're hitting under 100, under 200 as a team. They suck. The uh, Mariners are a disaster. They're going to miss the playoffs again for, what, the 20th straight year or some, some crazy shit? Remember, they set the record for wins in the regular season in tw- 2001, 116, and then they lost to the Yankees in the ALCS, and they've never been back since. They, they've sucked since then. But anyway, uh, enough ranting about how much the Mariners suck. Um, but Spencer Turnbull uh, was great in this game. Um, he, he, oh, uh, shout out to him. Obviously the best night of his life. Uh, I feel really good for him. He's the first pitcher not named Justin Verlander to throw a no-hitter for the Detroit Tigers since Jack Morris, Hall of Famer in 1984. Verlander threw two during his tenure, tenure with the Tigers, the last coming on May 7th, 2011 in Toronto. Um, so, yeah. Uh, shout out to Spencer Turnbull. Congratulations on your no hitter. Um, it's a great night for you. Um, you deserve um, all the credit in the world. I'm loving the no hitters, honestly. I really am. I am loving the great pitching, honestly. Uh, I love seeing guys going out there and pitching gems. Uh, it's awesome to see. Um, I know it's weird. This is, I have six, no, seven on. It's seven. It's not six. It's seven. We count. We count Mad Bum around here, folks. We count Mad Bum around here. Uh, it's seven no hitters this season, and uh, yeah, um, it's, it's crazy to think that we've we've had this great pitching to start the year. They definitely deadened the ball, but um, I'm loving it honestly. I really am. Uh, I love I love good pitching, and um, I even told my friend who are Nationals fans today. I'm like, you guys are gonna get a no hitter this year too for sure. Like every team's gonna get a no hitter at, at some point. What if every team got no hit and every team got a no hitter? How crazy would that be? Could you imagine, folks? Could you imagine? That'd be wild. So, um, yeah, that's a shout out to Spencer Turnbull. Uh, congratulations on your no hitter. A great moment in your career, your life, and uh, best of luck to you and, and your future endeavors, honestly. that's I don't know why I said that, but uh, congratulations on your no hitter, Spencer Turnbull. All right, folks, only one more story to go, and then we can all get on out of here and go enjoy the rest of our weekend. Uh, It's an update on Save the Crew 2.0. You guys remember last week, I talked about how the Columbus crew announced how they were updating their name and logo, uh, and everybody hated it. It was a disaster. The fans hated it. Universally panned across the board. They went from Columbus crew to Columbus SC, dropping the crew nickname, and they changed their logo to, like I described last week, some kind of glorified trash can. But I have an update for you on Save the Crew 2.0. Here is the article from, I believe, Bleacher Report. Uh, For the second time in eight days, the Columbus crew have revealed a new logo. Monday evening, the crew ownership group and a selection of supporters met at Historic Crew Stadium to discuss the team's recent controversial rebrand that included a criticism, cri- criticized logo and name change to Columbus SC. After a productive meeting, two sides released a joint statement on Monday night with the front office and Nordeca. That's the big supporters group. They're called the Nordeca. Um, that's their supporter section name. Uh, the Nordeca agreeing to the revert and the club's name back to Columbus Crew, and adding small modifications to the new logo. The new logo was revealed on Tuesday, and as expected, not much change. The badge that was revealed last Monday will still serve as the team's logo. The only changes made were the triangle inside the Ohio State flag shape changed to a 96, honoring the founding of the club in 1996 as the first team in Major League Soccer. The other change was the bottom... 
Uh, bottom text outside the shape now says Crew rather than SC in accordance with the official club name going back to Columbus Crew. Whether this logo is here to stay for the long haul is yet to be seen with rampant criticism of this badge flooding social media last week. For now, this for now though, this will be the logo used on team branding, merchandise, and more throughout tw- 2021. With the old circular badge still sewn into the current kill, cer- I'm sorry, current kits for the crew when the team takes the field on game days. This is the fourth logo in Columbus Crew history. The club's original crest, re- released in 1996, was a traditional shield shape with three construction workers with their arms crossed in the middle. The second crest that was revealed in 2014 was a circle of multiple details nodding to the history of Columbus, the crew, and Major League Soccer. And of course, the black and gold's third logo was the same as the current badge with the SC and the triangle instead of the crew, instead of the crew and 96. Um, so yeah, um, the, the crew, um, I, they, I'm glad they listened to their fans. I really am. Uh, it goes to show you just how powerful the fan support is. Uh, and, and, you know, if you can rally, I mean, look, it's happened twice in Columbus. Now they saved their team from moving to Austin and then they end up stopping this from happening. It's remarkable. Honestly, I, I look, I'm not a Columbus crew fan. I'm an NYC FC fan, but, uh, I, who's act they're actually playing this weekend actually. That's so, um, looking for it's a game. It's actually at Red Bull arena, even though it's a home game for NYC FC, the game's being played in Jersey. So, uh, I'm excited for that game, but, um, you know, I, I'm an NYC FC fan, but I respect the hell out of the Columbus crew, honestly. And I'm glad they listened to their fans. I respect the I respect the hell maybe not I respect the hell out of the ownership as much, but I respect the hell out of their fan base. I, I mean look, I from my time working in soccer media, I r- really like grew an appreciation for the fan base in Columbus. And I was really happy when they won the MLS Cup in, in last season. Uh, they deserved it. It was an awesome moment for them, honestly. Um, and now they have saved the crew 2.0. Um, the crew will not be changing their the look. The logo is garbage still. The logo still looks like a glorified trash can, but at least the name is staying crew. That seemed to be the general consensus of the fan base when they saw the logo. That the logo, you know, look. The name still say it seemed like a compromise. The Nordecas seemed to come up with a compromise. We'll keep this shitty logo, but we have to stay with the name crew, honestly. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I really like that they listen to their fans, and um, I, you know, I, I, it's just refreshing to see. Honestly, it's refreshing to see uh, <laughs> soccer owners, you know, especially after what happened um, in Europe over the last couple of years. Um, with, with the ownership, um, you know, not really agreeing, you know, you know, the, the fans and the ownership really not seeing eye to eye, um, ownerships being, you know, really rich people and the fans, you know, not disagreeing with them. Um, it's refreshing to see, you know, ownership and fans come to at least some sort of compromise. So I like this story. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, the ep- I don't have any more outro stories, so I wanted to do, um, one thing here, uh, just give me one second. Um, so I mentioned that um, I was going to do an Atlanta music boycott uh, for a while, uh, like for this Atlanta Hawks series, because um, I, I didn't want, like, I was like, 
I, I don't want to deal with any Atlanta right now while the Knicks are playing the Hawks. I didn't want any bad juju. Michael Edgley was like, you know, that's a bad idea. What Michael Edgley said he does is he likes to listen to the music of other cities. Like he said, when the Wizards played the Raptors, he listened to Drake a lot. So uh, he said that's what he likes to do. And honestly, Mike, I like that idea a lot more. So to close out this episode, I got a really good closeout for you guys here. Um, we all love Outcast. Um, so I'm going to play a little Outcast for you guys. Uh, enjoy. All the players, all the hustlers. I'm talking about a black man having here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's beginning to look a lot like wood. Follow my every step. Take notes on how I prep. I thought to go in depth. This is the way I keep my season. Here's my get to rep. I kept to say the least. No, no one can cease. So I begin to piece my two and two together. Got no snowy weather. Have to find something to do better. Bet. I said some time, so shut up that. No sense about some solid, solid. I got the cork if it ain't real, ain't right. I'm like, no matter what the season, forever chill with Smith. I sit my fifth. I chill with Wes and got my reason. So tell me, what did you expect? You thought I'd break my neck to help y'all deck. The, the, oh, no, I got other means of celebrating. I'm getting blizzard at Hoja. I got the hoochie waiting. I made it through another year. Can't ask for nothing much more. It's outcast for the books. I thought you knew, so now you know. Let's go. Look, guys, I-, I couldn't boycott Atlanta rap, honestly. Atlanta rap is amazing. Like, Atlanta rap is iconic to me. Outcast is iconic. I couldn't not listen to Outcast. I'm sorry. But, um, so I-, I, lo- I had to pay tribute to one of my favorite groups here. Um, hopefully the Knicks, this gives me a little juju going into this uh, series against the Hawks. I like Mike's idea, honestly. We should be listening to music of teams we're playing when we're um, going into the series. I like that idea more than a boycott, honestly. I remember when the Yankees played the Astros in the ALCS a couple of years ago. I boycott. I was like, no, Travis Scott, no Ghetto Boys. I'm not listening to any Houston music. And I honestly, looking back, that's stupid. Mike's idea was better. So I'm doing that. We're going to listen to a lot of Atlanta rap going forward. Uh, long live Outcast, man. Um, the iconic, um, and, um, Atlanta, you know, like I'm a New York guy. I think New York is the greatest rap city, but Atlanta's right up there too, man. It's right up there. It's, I mean, the South got something to say as far as I'm concerned, but hopefully the Knicks 
beat the Hawks. Let's go Knicks, baby. Let's go Knicks. And once again, one final shout-out to Corey Kluber for throwing the 12th no-hitter in Yankee history. Oh, yeah. Riding out with outcasts. Nixon six, baby. Nixon six. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at bbryan or ufrwbb. Excuse me. Follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at bbryan1991. Uh, stay tuned for the Monday episode. Like I said, I'm not sure how we're going to do the Knicks playoffs uh, going forward, if we're going to do an episode after every game. I feel like that'd be a lot, but uh, I do think we will have a lot of Knicks playoff content moving forward. Um, So let's go Knicks, baby. I'll say it again. Let's go Knicks. Can't wait for Sunday. And um, let's go Yankees. Let's go Giants, Rangers, every other team I like. Have a good night, folks. I will talk to you next time. (laughs) 